place. How are we going today? Come on, is this not the 1045 service? How are we going today? You know, you're meant to be the wise ones that have been had a sleep in, pepped up, coffeeed up, awake. Anyone enjoy the rain last night? I just I was just chatting to my friend Sally. You know, normally when I wake up to a noise, uh, it's normally morning and then you know, my son's awake and I have to get up. Four times last night I got woken up by rain. And then when I looked at the time, I realized, and literally at one point I turned around and was like, I've got four more hours. I was so pumped, rolled back over, went back to sleep. There was no child to attend to, just lots of sleep. So I feel pumped this morning. I'm awake. And uh, we are continuing today in our Real Followers uh, series. This is the last week. I uh, hope you've been enjoying it. I've been loving this series, been loving reading through First John and uh, listening to the messages and, and all that it's brought. And we, you know, uh, sad that it's the last day today, but uh, know that there's some great stuff coming up as well. But we're going to be looking at 1 John 5 today and uh, looking at the idea of real followers live in confidence. That, uh, you know, there, there should be this real confidence that we have in our lives as followers of Christ and that that should be something that spurs us on. It should be something that, uh, you know, we use. Sometimes when I hear the word confidence, I mistake that for the word arrogance. I don't know if anyone else has that. When you, you have the person that's overconfident or just a little bit too sure of themselves, that's not what we're talking about today. It's not that as, as Christians that we and followers of Christ that we should be arrogant or, you know, think we're better than anyone else. But the reality is there should be this confidence about who we are and how we live our lives because of who we follow. And I was thinking a little bit about confidence this week and, you know, why would it be important and what does it look like to have it? And, you know, immediately I began to think of characters like Chuck Norris. Is there any Chuck Norris fans in the house? Love Chuck Norris. Love Chuck Norris memes. You know, all the, the stuff about, you know, the, the boogeyman gets scared of Chuck Norris, all those kinds. But, you know, the kind of character that, you know, we see in movies and it might be a superhero for you that just is that ultimate display of confidence you know, they, they overcome everything, they're calm, they're sure of themselves. You see all those battle scenes with Chuck Norris, there's five guys surrounding him, and you're like, doesn't matter if there's five or 20, you're all, you, you just know he's going he's gonna to win the day. And there's this, you know, aura about them. And we all have, you know, people in our lives, we all have those people that we see that, you know, we put our confidence in. We know we have to put our confidence in Jesus. So I was thinking about, you know, what it looks like to be confident, kind of having a bit of that swagger about you, living your life sure, uh, knowing what's going, you know, not always knowing the answer, but being sure. But then I was thinking about, well, what does it look like when someone doesn't have confidence? What, what does it look like when you meet someone who's not a confident person? And I decided that it's just really awkward. I remember uh, in Bible college, we had to do like a, a public speaking uh, unit, like kind of a preaching unit or, you know, how to, how to talk to, to people and thought, you know, if you're in Bible college training to be, you know, any kind of minister or pastor, it's probably a good one to do. So I was like, I was excited about this, you know, teach me how to. But we had this guy in our class who was hilarious. Like he, he could have just been a stand-up comedian. In fact, we were telling him he should just do that because he was just so funny. And he would, you know, be able to hold a crowd. And we we're all like, he is just going to knock this out of the park. This will be, he'll be the best at this because everyone will laugh and doesn't matter what else he says. They'll think he's funny and they'll give him a good grade. But we're like, you're going to dominate, you know? And he's like, oh, I'm just going to try and not be funny. And we're like, don't do that. Like, you're hilarious. Just be funny. Be yourself and you'll be all right. And what we discovered is he just had zero confidence in himself to, to get up and, I guess, speak this message to what was his friends. There was only like 20 of us in there. So it wasn't even like a large scale of people. And he got up and just completely began to melt down. And we thought it was part of the act. So we're all kind of like laughing to each other a little bit going like, this is going to be so good. He's just going to like, he's being all shy and nervous and stuttery. And 
he's going to turn it around. It's going to be hilarious because, you know, we've convinced him to be funny. Not the case at all. So we're bad friends because we're immediately like giggling at him. He completely melted down, left his notes, walked out and just didn't come back to the class. And uh, we we're talking about it afterwards. And he's like, I just had zero like self-confidence in that moment. Like had done lots of preparation, but had second guessed myself so much. And he just had, and it was just an awkward place to sit. And I, I thought, as I, as I thought about my friend in that scenario, that is the, the perfect example of, I guess, w- what confidence looks like or what it doesn't look like. And when you have it and you're walking sure of yourself and you know, you know, and you're confident of your, what you're doing and your circumstances and all of that, compared to someone who's not, like as, as Christians, we don't want to be that picture. As followers of Christ, we don't want to be that unsure mess of uncertainty. We want to be people who live confidently and sure, despite what's going on all around us. And so I just wanted to paint that picture this morning of that's what we're talking about when we're talking about confidence. We're talking about just being sure. that There's a reassurance about who we are and where we place our confidence. And because of that, it allows us to live out our faith confidently. And so there's a few keys out of 1 John 5 that we want to talk about, we want to look at, that go, if we can do these things, they're going to build confidence in us. If we believe these things and we adopt these things into our life, We're going to be people who are full of confidence. So we'll start reading in 1 John 5 verse 4. And it says, For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You know, we realize very quickly here that confidence is not actually in ourselves. It's not in what we can do. It's not in how good or bad things in life are, what we can accumulate, what we have, what resources we can gather. But our confidence comes when we look at the one who has overcome. It's saying, you know, those, the only people who will overcome the world, the only people in this situation that will overcome all of these things are the one that understand and believe and follow Jesus. You know, it's our faith that gives us this confidence. You know, it's funny for me how often it doesn't take a lot to dent, which some of you might find surprising, but it doesn't take a lot to dent my confidence sometimes in life. This week, I I was a little bit sick and unwell, and immediately I was like, having it out with God. Like, why? Like, why is this happening to me? I'm dying. You know, like, what is wrong? This is the end. This is how it ends. I can't even get myself out of bed. Like, yeah, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I feel like that might have been patronizing, but I'm taking it as you've been with me. And I'm like, you know, why should I be getting sick? I've got all these things that I should be able to do, and I just can't do them. But you see that happen so often in life, that things come our way that we don't expect. Little things like being sick. Sometimes it's big things, like big changes of circumstances. Or, you know, we look and things don't quite add up, or, or someone gives us some advice, and it, it goes countercultural to kind of the confidence we should have in Christ. And suddenly we become that person recluded back in their shell, unsure. Should I even be doing this anymore? The reality is Christ has overcome all of that. The picture of him coming to earth as a baby, to me, shows why we should have, you know, that we should have that ultimate confidence in him. He went through every struggle and test that we went through. He didn't just come as an all-conquering Jesus. He actually came, went through all the trials, all the temptations, and overcame them all. That's the great thing. He didn't give in to them. But he came so... He would see, you know, he would, we would understand that he knows what we're going through. That he lived in this world that was full of pain, full of anguish. That he was killed. 
but that he rose again and he is the ultimate overcomer. And so our confidence then no longer needs to be in another person that will let us down or another thing or that job or that resource or whatever it is for you. But when we place our confidence in Jesus, he has overcome all things and therefore never stumbles, never lets us down and is always with us. Our confidence is in Christ. Let's uh, continue to read. I've written this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know you have eternal life. And when we are confident that He hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases Him, and since we know He hears us, we make our request. We also know that He will give us what we ask for. If you see a fellow believer sinning in a way that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give that person life. But there is a sin that leads to death and I'm not saying you should pray for those who commit it. All wicked actions are sin, but not every sin leads to death. You know, what this is talking about, obviously the word sin is used a lot in this. But I believe what it's calling us to do is to think about eternity. To think about eternity and to live in the big picture. You know, and we understand that the idea of eternity being that now that we have this relationship with Christ, because of His overcoming, that, you know, at some point we, we, we go to heaven, that, that our life is secure, that we, we have secured eternity. But we're not just to live knowing that. It's not just to reassure us that, hey, you're going to be okay. Actually, what it's talking about is when you see someone else stumbling, struggling, it uses sin as this example here. When you see someone not getting it right, when you see someone falling short, don't just judge them or go, that's a shame, or that's leading them down the path of death. But the Bible says actually pray for them. Understand the big picture. Understand that eternity matters. And if you ask, it says, I will hear you. You know, it goes round and round in these verses. You can ask him and he hears you. And he will grant you what you ask for according to his will. And what he's saying is you need to ask for things of eternity. And to be sure of that. And our confidence needs to be in that big picture. You know, I, I love watching sport, actually a lot of sport, a lot, a lot of sport. Uh, I, I'll watch it all day, every day if I can. I was sick this week, I watched a lot of sport shows on TV, it's great. And, you know, one of the things I find is my love for sport tends to interfere with the rest of my life and plans that I have. You know, a lot of weekends happen to be spent at church and a lot of sport is played on weekends. So there's this, this awkward dynamic. I'm grateful that uh, we have the ability to record now. And, you know, be able to record and watch later. I had this rule when I was our youth pastor. Uh, one of the things that used to happen to me all the time, we would uh, have Friday night football, which I would record because we had youth at the same time. So I don't know how youth pastors survived before Foxtel IQ, but, you know, thank the Lord that wasn't me and it was granted and we had it. But I had to make this rule that if you ruin the result for me, you're no longer going to be able to be a youth leader because, you know, it's dishonoring, it's disrespectful. They would tell me the scores. They Just as I'd be walking out of the door, they would let me know. And so I didn't really kick anyone out because of it. But we, we had this blanket rule that a few of us blokes will always watch it, so please don't, you know, don't ruin it. And so we'd go home and can watch it. But what I find, and, and I think, Brad, you're a bit the same like this, sometimes things get like a little bit too close for like comfort. And you know it's over. So you can't trick your mind and be like, this is live TV, it's, it's over. And so sometimes I just want to know who won. Like I don't even necessarily want to know any details. I don't want to know the score. I just want to know who the winner was. And so sometimes I'll ask my wife and she knows, I'm like, can you just tell me who wins? And, and she'll be like, oh yeah, the Eagles lost. I'm like, I don't need this kind of negativity. Turn it off. This is rubbish. You know, I shouldn't be watching all this sport anyway. I should be praying. 
Or she'll be like, they won. I'm like, awesome, turn it up louder, sit on the edge of my seat. There becomes this confidence that I don't necessarily know everything that's going to happen in the game. Actually, sometimes the games are so close that I'm like, someone's lied. They're still losing with like three seconds to go. There's no possibility here. And then some miracle happens and they win. But you know, it's funny how my whole attitude changes. I'm not nervous, not worried. I just sit back and enjoy knowing at the end of the day, the victory is there. That is the promise of eternity for us, that we know that the victory is in Christ. That we don't know how it's going to play out, play by play, bit by bit, things are going to happen. And we don't know what that's going to look like, but we know what eternity is. And it's our victory in Christ. But we're called not to just live confidently knowing that that's coming at some point. We're actually called to live with that as the big picture. So that when we ask God for something, is it the big picture of eternity in our mind? When we go to work and we're having conversations with people or hanging out at family things or talking to our neighbours, does eternity come into that at all? Do we think in that big picture? If I'm honest, probably not a lot. We were in a staff meeting and Pastor Lauren was sharing some things about a trip that she'd been on and one of the questions that she got asked on this course, and I can't remember who said it, so Pastor Lauren gets the quote today, uh, but the person said, if God answered all of your prayers from this week today, what would it look like? I immediately disengaged and started thinking about Bruce Almighty. You know how like, he keeps getting all those prayers and the post-it notes everywhere, and then he like, just goes yes to all? And then like a million people win the lottery and get like 50 cents each, so they start smashing stuff, and you know, like, everything just gets worse. And then there's that moment where God's like, well, what have you done since you became God? And he's like, oh, well, I righted a few of my own wrongs first. Now I'll get to helping someone else. And I think about if God answered every prayer that I asked this week, you know what, I, I wouldn't be sick anymore. I know that. I'd probably be a fair bit richer. Um, you know, some of my family would be better off. But would it make a mass, all the things I'm praying for, would they make a difference to eternity or not? And for me, that was a question I had to sit and think about and think through and go, are the things I'm asking of God, are the things I'm investing my energy and my time to, are they going to make a difference in the big picture or are they just going to make a difference right now? Are they going to help just my life and what I need? And, you know, there is nothing wrong with asking God for what you need or what you want and not saying don't pray prayers for yourself. I, I, I believe in that. But is there a disparity between what you ask for yourself and what God wants to do with eternity? Is there a difference when you get up every day and you look at what you're doing with your life? Is it doing anything for eternity? Or is it just doing something for you right now? And for me, as I sit and reflect on that, I, if God was to answer all my prayers tomorrow, I would want it to make a difference in eternity. If I truly had that option of going, you know what, I know that tomorrow he will answer every prayer I ask. I'd be asking for every person that doesn't know Jesus that I know to know him. That there would be a difference made in eternity. But sometimes we need to think and live in that bigger picture if we want to see it play out like that. Eternity is not just personal reassurance. It's not just knowing that at the end of the day we go to heaven. But we're actually still here to live with that picture in mind for others as well. And to see others come to know him. And to use our lives in whatever context we're in to make a difference in eternity. You know, sometimes we think we just need the, the, the evangelists or the, the superstars or, the, the, you know, whatever, the big platform people or, you know, just let the ministry and the church, you know, make all the difference. But the reality is God has placed you wherever he has placed you today, wherever you go tomorrow, wherever you go on Tuesday, and you're there to make a difference for eternity. 
and he's called you there and he's placed you there. I can't reach those people. The person sitting next to you, unless they're in the same situation, can't reach those people. It's you that he wants to use. But we have to live with that big picture in mind. And uh, 1 John wraps up here and it says, And we know that the Son of God has come and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God and know now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God and he is eternal life. I love that. I love the privilege that we just get to have that revelation. That because of who Jesus is, the son of God, that he came to earth, that we have this revelation that we get to know God. Why? Because we know him and we have a relationship with him. And I think sometimes it's just so easy to forget that. It's so easy to just gloss over. But when I think about that reality in my life, it brings confidence to who I am. That I know that I know that God is the true God and I have a relationship with him because of Jesus and what he has done. But he finishes with this in verse 21. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. As I read verse 21, I was like, where's the rest of it? <laughs> like, I was like, does this spill over to chapter six? And someone's like, there's no chapter six. Last week of the series, chapter five. I was like, yeah, that's right. Like, is, is there another, electronically it works out for you. It's all in chapters. So there's no extra pages to turn. But I felt like it was a bit of like an unfinished statement. But then I thought about this series and all the things that it's taught us and all the things that it encourages us in and, you know, our habits and, you know, testifying to who Jesus is and, you know, even looking at this, the confidence that we have in Him. I think it was really strategic and really smart that he finishes with, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. You know, the word in some of the other translations, the word that gets used is idols. And, you know, immediately when I think of idols, I think of, you know, something to worship, you know, like the, the golden calf or, or whatever it might be or, or finding another God to, to worship. And so I kind of can quickly just dismiss that and be like, well, I don't have any idols. But I love the phrasing of not letting anything that can take God out of your heart. Because I think that's something that very easily can happen to all of us, not just in our relationship with God, but anywhere. I remember uh, when growing up, I um, used to go to one of my friend's houses after school a fair bit, like we'd ride home and go hang out and um, we do that a lot and loved hanging out. He had, you know, some sweet consoles that we could play games on. So I always loved going there. And we'd go there after school. And one particular day, we'd ridden our bikes and gone home and went into the house. And it was pretty quiet. And his parents weren't always home. They, they both worked. And, but it seemed a little bit, you know, quiet, quieter than normal after a while. And he's like, oh, I'm just going to go see if, like, mum's home. She can fix us some food or whatever. And so I was like, sweet. And so he, like, kind of walks down the hallway and he walks past the study and it's, like, kind of vacant. And... He's like, oh, that's weird. Are we like renovating the study? No one told me. Like, um, that's odd. And I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, cool. And then he's like, oh, goes into, you know, his parents' bedroom and realizes that he, as he sees his dad's closet, that it's kind of completely empty. And so he goes into the bathroom and he, and he sees like all these dads, like toothbrush and toiletries and, and everything's gone. So he just runs past me, goes to the garage, goes into the garage, all his dad's tools and car stuff and everything is just gone. And I was like, that's weird. Like, was there a rapture and he just took your dad or... Um, you know, like, have we all missed the... And he, he just kind of began to panic and calls his mom and his mom comes home. And, and she just said pretty simply, yeah, dad's moved out. Like, he, he, he's not going to live here anymore. And I was like, I got to get out of here. This is a bit weird. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Like, I'd, you know, you don't know what to do when you're a kid. 
I was talking to him at school the next day and I was like, man, were they like fighting or something? Like, were they just like crazy arguing all the time and he just had enough and packed up and went? Like, we've seen that happen before. And he was like, not at all. Like, I never heard anything. And when I asked my mum what happened, she said, we've just kind of grown apart. Like, they're not even angry at each other. Like, it's amicable and it's done and this is how it's going to work. I'm going to see my dad these days and my mum these days and like all the, and, and it's fine. Like, everything will be okay. And I was like, that doesn't seem okay. And, you know, it left all these ramifications. But what had happened is they eventually just began living their own life. They began kind of doing the things that they wanted to do, not doing them together, not investing in their relationship. And they grew apart. And, you know, they said, we still want to do right by our kids. And, you know, there was no animosity. But they're like, the things that I want for my life are different to what they were 10 years ago. And they just become estranged. And I look at that picture and go, you know what? That's sometimes what I do with Christ in my life. That, you know, I give him my heart and, you know, one of the things I love to see are, you know, baptism stories or a story of someone who's just come to faith. And you see the passion in their heart for Jesus, don't you? Whether it's a, a young teenager that's been brought up in a Christian home and finally just realized for themselves who Jesus is. And there's this passion that they go, you know what, now it's my time. Or someone who's been on a, a different journey or, you know, found Christ later in their life or been through some hardship or whatever it looks like, you just see. There's something in their heart, isn't there, that's passionate and confident about who Jesus is and what he's just done in their life. And then I sometimes go, I love watching that. And then I sometimes I look at my own life and go, when was the last time I had that feeling? When was the last time I felt like I'd just given my heart to God for the first time again? Because there's something so real about that. And I think we live our lives sometimes and go, oh, God's there somewhere. If I go to church on Sunday, if I read my Bible like a diligent person, Sometimes I can stand at the front, there's these beautiful moments of worship and I can just be cold to them because my heart's just not attuned to what Jesus is saying or doing or open to him. And I believe that we can begin to grow apart from Jesus. And if we want to be followers that live confidently in who he is, we can't let anything get in the way. We can't be letting anything in our heart, in our way, to, to block him from being there, being real and doing what he wants to do. You know, we have, Zoe, my wife, has this saying of, you know, I'll be like, when we got our little puppy, you know, she's like, I love this puppy. And she's like, I love him with my whole heart. And I'm like, that's good. I love him too. She's like, do you love him with your whole heart? I'm like, yes. And she's like, we had our son. She's like, oh, I love our son with my whole heart. And I'm like, I love him too. She's like, do you love him with your whole heart? And I'm like, yeah. But then I'm like, but I love the dog too. And I love you. And I like, how, like, how can I love everything with my whole heart? It doesn't make sense. Everyone thing has to have a peace. But I just love that picture of, you know what, I, I love something so much, I just love it with all of who I am. And you know what, that's the picture of what it should look like with us towards Christ. That when we live confidently in Him, we love Him with all of who we are. You know, it's not a part of our life, it's the part of our life that guides and governs everything else. That there will be confidence in the decisions that we'll make, in the places that we are, in the things that we do do the difference we make for eternity because we love him with our whole heart and we don't become cold to him or or shut ourselves off but constantly he's the number one thing in our life and I believe that that confidence comes from not letting anything cause us to drift apart from who he is I'm going to invite the the team to to come back up and join us and they're going to lead us in in some songs 
over this next little bit of time. And one of the things that we're going to do uh, as that starts off is we're, we're going to take communion together. You'll see the tables at the front. For those who come here regularly, you'll know that we love taking communion around the table, that picture of not just taking it by ourselves or, or having a, a moment to remember Christ, but as a church coming around that table, that picture of that meal that, and remembering that sacrifice of Christ but also to be able to pray with one another and celebrate who He is and celebrate the confidence that we have in Him. But this morning, I wonder as we do that, you know, what we really are doing is that first thing. We are remembering the one who has overcome as we take this together. As we're singing these songs, they're songs of confidence in who God is. So many of the songs we sing are bold statements about Jesus. And this morning, I would wonder as we sing those, do we believe those in our heart as we sing? Or for some of us, maybe has our heart become a bit separated from who Jesus is? Not to say we don't believe in Him or or we don't follow Him, but does He have your whole heart today? And as we're taking communion around the table together, maybe it's a great chance for you to maybe reset your heart towards Him. Maybe it's a chance just to remember that your confidence is in Him because He has overcome. That you have eternity because of who He is. And you can come by yourself if you would like to when you're ready and you can, you can take communion. Maybe you wanna come as a family. Maybe you wanna come as a, as a connect group or some friends and, and get around that table together and pray with one another, encourage one another. Or like I said, maybe you just need that personal moment to say, you know what, I just need to reset some things in my heart. That He would have my whole heart today that I wouldn't grow apart from Him, that I wouldn't want different things to what He wants. Because I know confidently that what He wants for me is the very best. You know, we're not always gonna get this right. And there's gonna be plenty of things in our world that wants to dent our confidence. All we can do is continue to place it in Him over and over again. There'll be times where things will will get inside our hearts and and, you know discourage us and, and make it hard. All we can continue to do is try and reopen it up to Him. And this morning is just one of those opportunities. And so the team are gonna lead us and we're gonna spend some time singing these songs, praying to God, maybe praying together. And you can do that when you're ready. But I'd encourage you this morning just not to miss the opportunity you have to connect with Jesus today. He knows what you need. He knows your situation. He knows your circumstance. He knows what part of these words we've talked about this morning that apply to you. And He wants to meet with you today and encourage you. So I'd love to just pray for us and the team are gonna lead us. We'll take communion and spend some time uh, singing some songs together. Jesus, we thank you that our confidence is found in you. 